brought to you by the students at Mary Persons High School in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. First up, we have Jonathan Yisrael to talk about the history of Monroe County Middle School. In 1970, public schools in Monroe County integrated, joining Monroe County Elementary School with Hubbard Elementary School grades 1 through 6 and Hubbard High School with Mary Perkins High School grades 7 through 12. Monroe County Middle School came into being in 1977 when Mary Persons Junior High School was renamed. The new school housed grades 7 and 8 while 6th graders remained at elementary school. With a public bond issue late in 1970s to build a new comprehensive high school, schools were instructed to include Hubbard Elementary grades K through 4, Monroe County Middle School grades 5 through 8, and Mary Persons High School grades 9 through 12. When the new Mary Persons building was completed, the middle school relocated to the old MP building, now the Board of Education office on Brooklyn Avenue where it has remained for about 12 years. The new Monroe County Middle School was built on Thornton Road in 1992 and housed grades 6 through 8 in the mid-2000s. With current and anticipated student growth numbers rising, the middle school was split into two campuses, Mank Stevens Middle School on Thornton Road and William Hubbard Middle School on Highway 83 South. All three grade levels were distri districted for attendance. The Bank Stevens campus was named to honor Mr. R. Bank Steven, a local businessman, a friend of education, and a contributor to the construction of a former school building, the Bank Stevens Institute, which was located on Brooklyn Avenue on the property behind the current farmer's furniture business. The William Hubbard campus honored the legacy of the Hubbard family, Professors William and Samuel Hubbard. The two middle school campuses remained until 2012. The recession of 2008 and the recovery years slowed growth in the country and state. So classes were merged back into the Thornton Road location, grades 7 and 8, while Hubbard Middle housed the 6th graders. In 2019, the Hubbard Middle School campus was closed and 6th graders were relocated to the main Monroe County Middle School campus on Thornton Road. Construction plan for early 2021 We'll add a total of 14 classrooms onto three separate wings of the building, which, along with an expansion of the cafeteria, will accommodate the approximately 1,000 students attending there. During 2019-2020 school year, MCMS students and teachers received many academic recognitions and participated in many different activities. For example, the robotics team placed second in the Super Regional competition and seventh in the state competition. The Science Olympiad team competed at Georgia State University with two teams placed in the top ten of their events. In athletics, the girls basketball team qualified for the playoffs after a 12-4 season while the competition cheer team finished in first place in their three of their fourth competitions. The girls cross country team was the 2019 regional champion and Alex Cleveland finished his wrestling season with a perfect 21-0 record. MCMS's own Javier Locus was the district spelling bee winner, while Rowan Quire placed first in the Forsyth Lions Club Peace Poster Art Contest. In clubs news, FFA was the Area 3 
forestry champion and runner-up in wildlife management and the state runner-up in land judging. The MCMS course received all superior at their GMEA large group performance evaluation and William Little, Mac Nelson, Ashton Mercer, and John Wyatt Sanders represented the court in the All-State Honors course. The band program had a successful year as well with three students participating in Honor Banks and one student participating in the GMEA All-State Band. Six teachers achieved a new degree as well as six teachers completing their gifted endorsements and one teacher finishing the teacher leadership endorsement. The school was rewarded a Dollar General Literacy Grant in the amount of $1,500. Next up is Mary Persons student Abigail Fox. Hi, I'm Abigail Fox, and I'm interviewing today Dr. Yarber, along with a fellow teacher and student of Monroe County Middle School. Dr. Yarber, how long have you been at the school or in Monroe County? Good morning, Abby. I've, I've actually been principal of Monroe County Middle School for six years, and this is going on my seventh year as principal at Monroe County Middle School. I've actually been principal 16 years total. Did you attend Monroe County Schools? I grew up in Chicago. When I graduated from high school in 1988, which may seem very ancient to a lot of people, I came down to Georgia because family lived down here and my parents actually retired and moved down here, built a house. I decided to attend college uh, down here in Georgia. As I grew up, come down here like every summer. So I'm kind of like a Georgia, Illinois guy because they used to send me down here in the summers uh, to stay with my aunt who was actually a former educator in Peach County Schools. So growing up in Chicago, did you notice anything different in like the school system? No, things are pretty much the same across the board with education as a whole. I think the environments were like totally different. As a child, I kind of wished that I went to school down here in the South with the communities. The weather is totally different. You know, it's very cold up North. You know, people aren't as friendly. You know, it's just more care and concern, I think, for students as a whole, um, you know, in the South. So, you know, they feel, feel a little differently about sports. You know, football is real big in the South and even with bands. I played in a band growing up. I had a band scholarship when I went to college. So I was all into the band, but down here, it was like a different element with bands. It was uh, more exciting. What did you teach before you went into administration? So I have a bachelor's in English. Uh, when I started teaching full time, I taught uh, language arts. So I taught eighth grade language arts and fifth grade. So teaching between the two different grades, which was your favorite to teach and why? I most enjoyed eighth grade. I had more of an opportunity to uh, teach a, a group of kids who, who were uh, more mature. I kind of enjoyed middle school. That's one of the reasons why I went and got my master's in middle grades education. What is the biggest challenge you face on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I don't think it's one major challenge that I, I can attest. I think it's just a combination of things. No day is the same. Every day is different. And, you know, one day it could be just, you know, parent concerns and a, a mixture of parent and student concerns. Uh, another day it could be some things in the community that I'm dealing with, or um, like we're dealing with COVID, which is, you know, a, a societal type concern. So really just um, 
making sure that kids are safe, teachers have what they need, uh, parents and students are taken care of, and the uh, concerns of our community are all addressed is uh, on the top of my list every single day. So uh, it's, it's kind of the same uh, with everything across the board. Um, and due to COVID, we've had very many changes with like school systems and getting kids together all in the same room. What are some things you miss giving to the students that you could in a non-COVID year? Um, I miss the fun things about school. You know, you've been at the middle school, Abby, and you know that we have bulldog break. And that's something that we can't allow students to have at this point. Um, their 15 minute socialization time. Uh, you know, we had fall festival, you know, even a spring fling, we missed that uh, in May uh, because of COVID, we were out of school and um, fall festival, we weren't able to do fall festival. So hopefully we can get to the point where in February we can have a Valentine's dance, which is our biggest event of the year. And, um, you know, club day, that's a, you know, we let students walk and talk during transitions and the hallways are totally packed and we just let them have free reign during that time uh, so that we haven't we haven't been able to have a club day. So those are the things that I really, really miss kind of uh, cutting up with the kids, hanging out a little bit, doing some fun stuff. Uh, those things have been um, pretty much taken away from us because we want to try to stop the spread or keep the spread down. Um, so that's that's one of the major things that I miss. What are your two biggest changes from COVID? The two biggest changes would be turning off water fountains, <laughs> you know, make, making doing the um, um, the proactive things to try to keep the spread down. Um, you know, half of our students go to the lunchroom, half of our students eat in the classroom. You know, everybody's not in the lunchroom at the same time. Um, just those procedural type things that we deal with from day to day, those things are changing, you know, with us wearing masks in school. You know, they're not required, uh, but, you know, 99% of the people in school have masks on and just, um, you know, taking water bottles down to kids because the water fountains are off or providing masks when students leave their masks at home. Um, you know, various things like that um, present challenges uh, at school. Uh, when we did have a breakout, you know, uh, with COVID three weeks ago, uh, contact tracing was something really big that I had to contend with. And I did contact tracing pretty much all day, every day. Uh, so that was pretty difficult. And quarantining students, um, that is also difficult because students have to, um, you know, stay engaged with their assignments. And it's, it's difficult to keep kids motivated uh, when they have to go home and work. It's a lot easier to teach students when they're in the school building. Okay, yes, I am Christina Rogers. I'm an eighth grade social studies teacher at Monroe County Middle School. So how long have you been out of school? I have been at Monroe County Middle School for, this is my 13th year teaching here. And prior to coming to Monroe County, I taught in Bibb County for four years. I taught at um, Howard Middle School. So this is technically my 17th year of teaching. But is there anything different you see from Bibb County Schools to Monroe County Schools? Um, curriculum wise, there, I mean, everyone teaches the standard. So that didn't really change for me. What changed for me was coming back to my own hometown. What are some challenges you face with online students versus face-to-face -face students? 
for the online students, it's really hard to really decide if they're understanding. I do a lot of my teaching based on facial expressions. You know, I can look out in my classroom and see, okay, everybody is understanding this. Their face clearly points that out, but I can see a couple of confused looks. So let me go back through that again. So that's been the hardest thing is to not have that physical interaction and seeing facial expressions or our body language. And I didn't realize how much that was important to my teaching too. How many online students do you have? I typically have about 100 students. So this year I've got around 30 students that are online learners. What has COVID changed the way you run your classroom? I feel, again, I don't have that social interaction with my students. And, and like I said, I didn't realize how much I rely on body language and facial expressions to kind of gauge whether students are getting the content or not. What are some activities that you've done with your classroom in the past that you can't do now? I feel like I usually do a lot more with my flexible groups and having students work together and collaborate. And I'm really kind of afraid to do that right now with this virus being so um, contagious and you just don't, and you just don't know how to prevent a lot of it from spreading. My name is Abigail Kerr. And what grade are you in? I'm in eighth. What is your favorite thing about your school? Um, it most likely be the community that's in the school. What is the worst thing about your school? Mainly, it's just some of the people, honestly. And it's not even the school's fault. It's just with, like, the classes and stuff, the people with the, like, who disrupt and, like, kind of bring out the, I would say, hope in the teacher it just kind of makes me mad. It's, it's hard for me to grasp how they can't grasp what being a good child is. I was raised to respect your elders and to do what they tell you no matter what, even if you don't agree with it. Like all the teachers, well, almost all, the teachers are great here. How did you feel getting your year cut off last year due to COVID? It made me so upset because like I had so many things planned for like, there is a Disney trip that I raised over $600 for per chorus. And it just kind of like upset me so much because I spent like two days crying because I raised so much money to go on that trip. And I couldn't go with any of my friends in the choir or Miss A. Then, of course, the school year ended, like, well, didn't end, but it basically was cut off short. I don't get to see these guys for a couple months or even more because of corona. And it just kind of disrupted everything. So having to go, go online at the end of the year, did you enjoy that more than being face-to-face? -face? God, no. I can't learn online. My grades went from A's to B's. It was awful. What are some activities you miss doing in the middle school that you can't because of COVID? I miss the fall festival and the spring fling and then the club days because we got to walk and talk. That that was great. And the spring fling and fall festival were just fun days that we could just relax and enjoy each other's company while be, still being at school. Taking the mic next is Sebastian Mascus. I'm Sebastian Mascus with MPTV, here with Mr. Jake Davis, the Monroe County School Director of Transportation. What is the main thing all kids should do on a bus for safety reasons? Well, first and foremost, it's very important for all bus riders to follow the bus driver's instructions. Uh, the bus drivers have been specially trained 
and they know how to keep everyone safe on the bus. So first step would be to follow the bus driver's instructions. But beyond that, it's very important and critical that students are very careful when they're getting on and off the bus, their bus stops, because that's the most um, hazardous part of riding the school bus is the, the getting on the bus and getting off the bus. So that's a very important time for students to be paying attention to their driver and paying attention for any vehicles that might not be stopping for the bus. What is the procedure for if the bus got into like a car crash or something like that? So uh, first of all, with that question, uh, I wanted to mention that school buses are hands down the safest form of student transportation. And it's, it's rare for a student to be injured in a bus accident, but in the event there is one, um, the bus drivers follow a strict protocol that includes uh, notifying our office so that we can then notify the proper authorities. Uh, they check students for any injuries. They administer the first aid if it's needed. And uh, they also have to decide if the bus needs to be evacuated, if there's a, a reason for the bus to be evacuated. Um, so once an uh, officer or transportation official is on the scene, then they kind of take over from there and uh, make sure that all the remaining protocols are handled appropriately, that everybody is taken care of and safe. If someone was to want to become like a bus driver, how would they be able to do that? That's a great question. Uh, those interested in becoming a school bus driver can go to our school district website at www.monroe.k12.ga.us and they can then uh, navigate to the Transportation Department webpage and from there there's additional information available for them including information about salary benefits, the training that we offer which is free, and uh, there's also a link for them to go ahead and uh, fill out an application online and submit that if they so choose to. How do parents sign up their children for like riding the bus or find out bus schedules? So last school year, we implemented a new registration process for bus riders just to try to help us make sure that, that we have all the, the correct information so that we can create safe and efficient bus routes. So all parents have to do is contact their child's school and request transportation or request a transportation change if they have one. The school will then send the request to our office and we will process it. And it generally takes uh, between one and five school days, just depending on what, how significant of a change it is. And then as far as uh, how to get bus schedule information, after a student is registered, the parent or the student can go to back to our school district website and there's a link on the home page where they can access a, a software called eLink that we use to share bus information. They'll have to log into that system and they can get their uh, bus route information. What is the greatest challenge facing bus drivers right now? Like what is like their biggest challenge? Well, bus drivers face many challenges. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of things. There's uh, you know, having to drive in the dark, having to drive in inclement weather, um, having to you know, manage the behavior of, of sometimes up to 70 students on the bus. So there's a lot of different challenges that bus drivers face. But obviously right now with the, with the pandemic going on, um, that has created a lot of change for bus drivers as far as uh, making sure everybody is safe and, and things are disinfected and, and there's just a lot of new protocols that are in place as a result of that. 
And uh, so that might be the greatest challenge right now is just trying to uh, to make sure everybody is safe in, in the midst of what we've got going on. How many bus drivers does a school employ, like per year normally? So we have 70 school bus drivers and, um, and 15 school bus monitors. What are the hours like being a bus driver? Well, so typically, um, you know, a driver might have to go out and start doing the pre-trip inspection uh, as early as, as 5.30 or 5.45 in the morning for some routes. And then in the morning, they might finish up around 8 o'clock or 8.15. And then there's a gap in between their morning and afternoon where they're not working. And then in the afternoon, they'll have to start back, you know, depending on what route they run. It could be, uh, you know, around 2 o'clock, 1.45 maybe. And then they generally will finish up anywhere between uh, 4.30 and, and 5 or 5.15 in the afternoon. And how many routes does like the school have for like bus drivers? Like what are their routes? How many are there? So school district wide, we have 65 bus routes. So specifically at married persons, we have uh, 27 bus routes for, for regular education students. And then we have uh, seven special needs routes. Is there any information you would like to talk about, like share with the community? No, other than, um, you know, the community is, plays a big role in safety for school buses. Um, there are a lot of motorists out there that, that will interact with the school bus at, at some point in time. Um, and I would just, uh, you know, encourage everybody to be really uh, be paying attention, especially if they're around a school bus that, that is making a bus stop. And uh, just make sure that they're following the, the stop arm of the bus and uh, making sure all of our, our students are able to get on the bus and off the bus safely. We continue today's show with Sebastian Maskus as he interviews Dr. Valerie Mercer, the Director of Technology for Monroe County Schools. Hello, my name is Sebastian Maskus. I am with Mrs. Mercer. She is the Director of Technology. What are some challenges with the Wi-Fi this year due to so many devices using it all at the same time this school year? Um, honestly, it is uh, a little different, but not that much different. I think um, we forget we do have a lot of devices on the network, and they're not just computers. All of our telephones are on the network. Um, even some of our doors have IP addresses. Freezers have IP addresses. Every phone in the system has an IP address. Every printer does, too. And so it's a little different because we're all using more um, heavy, intense programs, such as what we're using today, Zoom. But um, it's not that much different. Plus, you have to remember a lot of kids are at home and they're using jetpacks that we gave them or they're using their home Wi-Fi. So um, about 20% of the population is actually working from home. And that actually takes an ease on it. But we also have the open network that lets people in our parking lots. Um, or as well as people who are outside of our buildings at the Fine Arts Center and those kinds of things use our Wi-Fi as well. So we have lots going on every day. What will we do if the internet goes down and the online students are not able to get to class? Um, the online students um, can get to class <clears throat> through a variety of different means. I'm thinking you're saying if the internet goes down in the school system, 
We actually have several different internet pipes for that. We don't just have one. And so we have that backup plan to be able to go to a different internet service provider if our first internet service provider goes down. So if it's larger than both of our two industrial um, internet providers going down, it's a major issue. Did we upgrade our Wi-Fi system? If so, how long did it take? And if not, where wake are we going to? Um, we actually have some federal funding coming. Um, it'll probably be in 2021 that will allow us to upgrade the Wi-Fi inside of Mary Parsons High School and throughout most of our other buildings in 2021. We did upgrade our um, switches at Mary Parsons particularly. We did that last Christmas break. Just changing out some um, connectivity at the ends of the hallways. So you have your Wi-Fi and your ceiling, but each one of those goes to a switch, and then that switch goes to a master switch, and then it goes to a wide area network. So we did change that out last Christmas, and it took a little longer than expected because the contractor was a little more involved than they thought they were going to be with the job, but um, it's usually about a two-week to three-week turnaround. How long have you been working with technology with our school district? I have been here 10 years, and I've worked in technology for 22 years. I've been in education for 28 years, and in my first years, um, I was actually a high school English teacher. So um, I came out of the classroom and went into technology, um, but I've also worked in professional learning and human resources as well. But I have about 22 years in technology leadership. What would happen if someone got a virus on a computer while on the school Wi-Fi? Um, it happens. It doesn't happen every day, all day, but it does happen. And we have measures that we take for that. We have several different programs that we use to um, scrub that machine as well as scrub access or other things that that machine may have um, been connected to. So that's just a normal part of technology maintenance and what we do every day. How recently have we upgraded our Wi-Fi system? Is there any upgrade schedules and stuff like that? Um, that's what I talked about in 2021. We actually have some federal funds and there will probably be more CARES Act funds coming from the pandemic because we finally have some folks who are seeing that it's just as important that children and families have quality Wi-Fi in their home as well as quality Wi-Fi at school. And so um, this pandemic has really brought and shed light on that. We've provided jetpacks, Verizon jetpacks for a lot of our families they can check one out from the media center and they can have hopefully better Wi-Fi than what they um, may have at home. But it's just a sustainable way to give them um, adequate ways to do their classwork. And we've um, given those out to about 250 of our families so that they can um, get their classwork done at home or do their homework in the evenings. And I expect that there'll be more federal funds that will be supporting things and initiatives like that in the future. Short, very short future. So, When is the school system getting more internet bandwidth? We actually are getting more internet bandwidth in the next 90 days. We have um, two internet service providers we use for Scythe Cable, which, owns, uh, which is owned by Public Service Telephone out of Taylor County. We actually are moving to a two gig pipe with them. That's pretty big. And then we are um, doubling our bandwidth with our state contract internet service provider. And most of the school systems in the state of Georgia will actually do that. And that will happen in the next six months. 
So those two industrial pipes that I talked about for internet bandwidth will actually be greatly expanding so that we can have um, better connectivity and um, even more capacity for our students and our staff and even our families who sit in the car line who use our internet service. We have a great technology team that does um, support throughout our school system. We have three school-based technology specialists, David Riggins, who handles Mary Parsons High School, Lakeisha Calloway, who's at Monroe County Middle School and Hubbard Elementary School, and then Terry Eckert, who handles T.G. Scott, K.B. Sutton, and um, MCAC. And then we have a coach, Ronnie Shipman, you probably know him, who works with our teachers and our students. We have someone who um, handles our networks. His name is Carrie Johnson. And then we have a data coordinator who handles state reporting. Her name is Samantha Gibson. So I work with a, an awesome, awesome team who um, does the everyday work of keeping y'all up and running for your classes. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.